Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview-style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers, and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. It's been an up-and-down week, a tipsy-turvy week for old mate Sizz Dog, mate, let me tell you. My birthday was last week, and I had three separate B-Day celebrations. Did the family dinner on Tuesday night, yeah? Went out for dinner and drinks with my friends on Friday night. Uh, Saturday night went to Bruce Pritchard's wrestling uh, live podcast show at the Thornbury Theatre, which was out of control. A couple more drinks there. And then Sunday night had the double B-Day celebrations with my brother-in-law's missus on Sunday, the uh, the other side of the family, um, that B-Day celebration. And to cap it all off tonight... I went to TGI Fridays again for half-price burgers. So Sirianni has been on a cheat week for his birthday all week long. My system is ready to get back to normal, let me tell you. This week on the podcast, I caught up with Nick Ivkovich, bass player for Elm Street and the Millionaires Club, uh, who I'm going to see tonight at Cherry Bar, which I'm excited about. Um, But if you're listening to this, man, the gig's already over, so stiff shit. Uh, Nick tells a corker of a story during the interview about uh, when his band supported Bon Jovi in Melbourne. And while they were watching their sound check, Bon Jovi had something to tell them. But you'll have to keep listening to find out what... Bon Jovi had to say. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. Uh, Usually this one's going to drop on Wednesday. And you can listen to The Art of Touring on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app on your Android device. And remember, Art of Touring is part of the A Lot of Green podcast network. And you can check out all of their awesome podcasts on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with the kidlets, it might be a good idea to throw on, you know, a bit of uh, Bob the Builder. And then once they're dropped off at the the bass guitar lessons or their drumming lessons or whatever kind of lessons you can think of, once they're out of the car, out of earshot, throw Art of Turing back on. Now let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. When you see these tears in my eyes, just know that all the rumors are lies. Pimps don't cry. Episode 49 of Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Gators Tuition Assistance. Are you a female college student in need of financial help with paying your expensive fees? Then join Gators Tuition Assistance, where every student gets the help they need. What are you afraid of, man? I'm your partner, you can tell me. What the hell are you hiding from? I was a sophomore in college. The university I went to decided they needed to raise tuition. A classmate of mine, Brenda, in an effort to raise money and and stay in school, came up with a nifty plan where she she thought she'd date guys and and charge them money. I go on dates all the time with a whole bunch of, you know, boys and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I kind of need somebody to help me out. Like, you know, my partner in crime. 
Yeah, I could make a, I could make a schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Provide transportation services. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a good time. Thanks so much for asking. She said she needed my help to make sure that the dates went okay and that the, the guys paid her. She said she'd give me a percentage. Oh my God, you were a pimp. What? God no. No, I was just trying to help a friend. But we started making a lot of money. And wouldn't you know it, some of Brenda's girlfriends decided they wanted to be a part of it. Pretty soon, there were about 14 ladies that I was protecting while they gave me money. That's called a stable of horse. We decided I shouldn't use my real name. So we came up with the name Gator. I'm telling you, you were a pimp. No. Are you even listening to the story? Anyway, one day I wake up and I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see. I mean, I, I had gotten out of control and I, I didn't even realize it. I, can't have a conscience in the pimp game. One night, two of my favorite girls, Candy and Jolene, said, we gotta take you in. They dropped me off at the emergency room. That's where I met Sheila. I was a mess. I made a promise to myself and to her that I would never get out of control again. So as soon as I graduated from college, I became an accountant for the police department. The most stable job I could think of. Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can. You can just Google Art of Touring, follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before I get into my conversation with Nick, I'd like to play you a track from his band Elm Street. This one's called Face the Reaper. Check it out. Hey, 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 how about that, man? Metal time here on The Art of Doing. Now let's hear from the man himself, Mr. Nick Ivkovich. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. We're in the Man Cave, the the Sis Cave, the Siriani Studios, whatever you'd like to call it, because today's been a beautiful day. It's not too hot. And sitting uh, in front of me is bass player for Elm Street, Mr. Nick Ivkovich. How are you, Nick? I'm great, Sizzler. Sizzler! (laughs) (laughs) I was dying to call you that. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) The dog! Yes, yes, indeed, this is dog. Yeah, it's it's the persona I've taken upon myself to portray in the podcast world. So, how does that it. differentiate yourself from day to day, Sizz? Well, the day to day Sizz is a um, 
is a high school music teacher. Right. So it's very much Mr. Siriani or Sir. Oh, right. And that's it. Or asshole. Or, yeah, under the breath, they call me Jesus sometimes. <laughs> that's great. Or to my face yeah, as well. Yeah. Right, right. And working at a Catholic school, it's just like, dude. Oh, yeah. Guys, quit it, man. Oh, you're just ripe pickings. I know. I've thought about shaving the beard, but then I'll look a bit strange because. Yeah, I don't know if I could rock the long hair and no facial hair. Oh, our um, maths teacher, Mr. Horan, he had, we called him Moses because he had like <laughs> this huge beard yes. in Catholic school as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then for charity, he had it shaved off. Oh. And it was weird. He right. used to have, I was, I was used to this dude with a big head. Yes. And then it just shrunk. <laughs> it was like, did you ever see the Super Mario movie? Oh, I think so when I was a kid, maybe. The Goombas, they were huge and they had these tiny little heads. Well, oh, yeah, it's ringing a bell. That's, that's what, what he looked like. That's what he looked so, like. Yeah. <laughs> Not an attractive man. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe I'll, I'll take that cue and just keep the beard and, and put up with the, the Jesus comments yeah. every now and then. Your head's at a good size. Keep yeah. it that way. Don't want to mess with it. Yeah. That's it. So, mate, tell me a story. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, from the western suburbs. So, yep. I'm a Westie. West is best. Um, grew up in uh, Killer Downs. Played soccer for St. Albans. So, went to school in uh, North Keelor, yeah. um, which is funny. So, we'll probably get to that story later, but the boys from Elm Street, they went to the same school I went to. Oh. Um, we kind of knew of each other. I, I was more hanging out or associated with the guys as older brothers. Right, so, okay. I'm, I'm the old guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Western Suburbs, uh, soccer was my dream. Oh. I was always going to be a goalkeeper for the Socceroos in this my head. This is in primary school, like just soccer, soccer, primary soccer. Primary school, high school. Uh, it's funny, like listening to your podcast mm. and the awesome guests that you've had, they've all had... A life in music. Mm. I, I grew up loving music. Yes. But music wasn't just my passion. Like right. Soccer was. Being Croatian, you kind of force-fed that. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I came from a long line of goalkeepers. Hmm. Dad was a goalkeeper. His brother was a goalkeeper. All my cousins were goalkeepers. Wow. My brother's a goalkeeper. I was a goalkeeper. Far out, So, I had no choice. You were just goalkeeper. But you think being a responsible parent, you know, my dad would kind of go, do you really want to? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what you're signing up for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't, (laughs) but I gave it a go. Yeah. And I was pretty good. Yeah, nice. Uh, so was my brother. We, we were all we sort of we sort of built a name for ourselves. You know, if you're an Ivkovic, you're probably going to be a goalkeeper and right. half decent. Yeah, yeah. So that was I always wanted to play music and be in a band and all of that. But you know, it was soccer for me. That was that that took up all of my time mm. training three a minimum of three nights a week. Whoa, playing on Sundays. Yeah. Um, you know, doing my own sort of like private training on the side. So, there was no time for anything else. Right. Uh, all my friends were in soccer. It was just the family is obsessed with soccer. So, yeah. that, that was it. Yeah. But in the sort of what was sort of like going on underneath the surface was like I was obsessed with Kiss. I was obsessed with Metallica. Ah. Um, my uncle, I blame him, he, at a very early age, sort of like, you know, gently nudged me in the right directions. Musically? So, exactly. So, yeah. you know, I remember looking at Kiss Records 
just looking at them and going, oh my God, like these guys look so cool and oh, they play music. Holy crap. So, yeah, right. So growing up, I wanted to be one of three things. I wanted to be Peter Schmeichel, goalkeeper from Manchester United. There you go. Or Gene Simmons or Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I failed at all three. So, <laughs> so, but like as I was getting older. Sure. Uh, and also Hulk Hogan's probably number four as ah, well. Yes, so, of course. You know, uh, pro wrestling has always been there yeah. as well. So, yes, it was all soccer, soccer, soccer. Yeah. And then when I got to about 18, I had shin splints really, really, really bad. Shin splints? What are they? So, that's uh, you cop it when you... It happens when you have a lot of high impact, repetitive impact. So, for example, our our fields were pretty rock hard. Okay. You know, it's not the lush grass that you kind of see on TV. We were playing on freaking... Really hard kind of The equivalent of, of concrete. It was pretty right. bad. So, constantly running on that. I guess being a goalkeeper and like jumping around on that stuff. Oh, so it's not getting hit in the shin. It's more no, the jolting action the- of... Stepping oh, and yeah, you don't have shock absorbers. Yeah, you're not built like a car, especially when you're playing. I mean, in goal, are you? Do you still have to wear the spikes on the field? Yep. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So, but the thing is, so on hard grounds you wear molds. On right. wet grounds you wear the screwing studs. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're a famous player, you can afford both. If you're not, you stick to one. Okay. So we play in the winter. Yeah. So you'd have the screw-ons, but the preseason was in the summer. Right. So it's like boom, 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 constantly hitting ground. Yeah, yeah. And so they call it shin splints because your shin bone actually starts to splinter. Oh, God, it couldn't have been comfortable. So being... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the best. Especially being a tall bloke. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It, being a goalkeeper, there's only one spot on the field... You know, if you aren't playing, another guy gets a chance and he might play really well. Mm-hmm. And then your spot's gone. Okay. So, for me, because I was always playing at age groups much higher than my actual age. So, yes. you know, I was playing under 18s when I was 15. Right. So, there was a lot of competition. Yeah. And I was holding on to my spot. It's like wrestling, you know. You yeah, you're holding spot. to your spot. Yeah. So, or like music, holding on to that spot, Well, man. that... that too, you know. So, mm. um, yeah, I just kept playing through it, playing through the pain. But then it got to a point where I couldn't really jump anymore. Yeah, you kind of need that. For you kind of need that position. spring. Yeah, and walking was a bit difficult. <laughs> honest to God, like it wow. was really that bad. You know, At I'd like go to, 16, 17 years yeah, old. Yeah, I'd Jeez. go to school and like really force myself to walk. Right, and then you know people would be looking at me, and you know. High school kids, they're mm. shitheads. So mm. they're going, what's wrong with you? Walk, you know, can't you walk properly? And I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I just had to stop. Yeah, right. And, you know, I went to see a physio yep. and they said, look, you can't treat it. All you can do is rest hmm. and let your leg heal. Right. And it was both my legs. So, so like, okay, I'll take some time out. But yeah. the thing is, I turned 18. Start going out, drinking, yep, girls, all that, all that fun stuff that I was kind of like putting to the side because I was so focused. Yeah. And then when it got time, you know, like six months later, yeah, like, all right, I'll get back into it. You know, I'll take this serious again. And then I thought, nah, nah, I, I enjoy 
not doing that now. Yeah, right. Because it was such a commitment. It, that, that was my life. Yeah. So, when I gave that up, I thought, oh, now I can start playing music. This right. is at 18 years old. So, yeah. I'm a late bloomer. Yeah. Always dreamed of being a bass player just because my favorite musicians were bass players. Dude. And I'd always like, you know, single out the bass when I'm listening to the music. I, I, I knew music. Like, yeah. I, I, I studied it as I was listening to it. Sure. And now I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Cause I, and I also got sick of seeing, you know, the guys in high school bands playing and me thinking, man, that bass player's just standing there doing nothing. Like, if I was there, I'd be doing this, I'd be doing that. Yeah. Now it was time for me to put up a shut up. That's it. And you had you actually played the bass before? Never in my life. At 18 years old? At 18, never, never touched an instrument. Wow. So, you know, I didn't do music classes. No. I didn't do any of it. It was I was the sport guy, soccer. That was your thing, man. That was my thing. Mm. And now I thought, no, nah, I'm going to... It's now or never. Yeah, like right. Eighteen's pretty late. And this is this in your year twelve year or no? You- this was after. So I finished year twelve when I was seventeen. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So I started young, finished young. Sure, yeah. And yeah, you know, couldn't even drive myself to the music store. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So yeah, I guess no. I must have made my decision when I was seventeen, turning eighteen. Right. Yeah. So I remember my dad driving me to um, Billy Hyde's music. Oh yeah. On Mount Alexander Road. Yeah. You know, some shitty five, four or five hundred dollar pack that had, you know, the Fender Squire and the Fender little amp, uh, and, amp and all of that. And it comes with like a pick and a strap and a lead. Yeah, and well, shit. I thought, no, nah, I'm going to be a finger player because Cliff Burton played with his fingers. And I thought, no, nah, screw that. I'll just go pick. Yeah, yeah. Easier. Easier, yeah. <laughs> well, especially getting into it, shit. Well, I also thought, you know, four strings are easier than six. Okay. But then, you know, as I became competent, Yes, that's the word. I realised, oh shit, bass is pretty hard. Like, good okay. bass is pretty hard. Yeah, man. So, all I did was I, I had a couple of music lessons just to learn what I was doing. Right. But the guy was trying to teach me theory, and all I wanted to do was rock. Okay. So, I thought, no, nah, I'm not interested in slap bass. I'm not interested in learning scales or whatever. Just show me how to play smoke on the water. <laughs> but the bass line, which is just, you know, do, 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 do. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not even the proper riff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, you know, uh, for whom the bell tolls and things like that. You wanted to learn songs. I wanted to learn songs. Yes. And so, he that, that was a part of the lesson. And then the rest was, this is why you're doing what you're doing. Yes. But I didn't care for that. Sure. So, all I did was I took maybe four... Five lessons. Yeah. And I'm like, nah. Like, I, I, I never pay attention to the theory stuff, but like when we're actually playing music, yeah. I'm embracing that. Yeah. So I just stopped. Okay. And then, you know, found tab websites and just, you know, whatever songs I wanted to learn. Yeah. I'd type it in the Google machine and get sheet music or whatever and Figure it out how to play teach it. myself. Yeah. So after about seven months of that, I, you know, in the meantime, I'd been going out to gigs and stuff like sure. that. Yeah. And not no, studying as well and working. Or yeah. Yeah. Like so that, or? I was actually studying. So I was always into art. Okay. Drawing. I was always drawing like from a very early age and I'm pretty good at it. I'm a good artist. Yeah. Right on. Good bullshit artist too. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but a good artist artist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, ever since I was a kid, like, you know, uh, we would wake up at seven o'clock, 
you know, to have breakfast and get changed and go to school. Yeah. But I'd wake up at 5.30 and draw. All right. Up until, you know, mum would go, come on, come on, time to get ready. Time you know? to get breakfast, so, yeah, yeah. I'd, so I was always like the, the comic book guy at school. Huh. Like I was always drawing like Spider-Man and stuff like that. And that's okay. why I like my obsession with comics. And I guess yes. that ties in with Kiss too, mm. because they had such a comic book image as well. Book as well, yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the wrestling ties into that too, because they're like comic book characters come to life. They most definitely so are. So it all, it all interconnects, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so you started studying art. Well, no. No. So I... I guess in high school, yeah, I did do like uh, graphics mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and I was really good at that. Yeah, but then when it came time to go to university open days, I just I looked at the potential teachers, potential co-students, and the artwork that was you know on display. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm not going to like this because right. it's kind of regimenting and formalizing a passion and i didn't want to do that okay it was like it was gonna i I had a bit of anxiety thinking no they're gonna squeeze the love out of it okay take away a little bit of the magic fairy yeah exactly so and that's uh, for me i think that's also what sets me apart maybe Mm -hmm. from those that studied music is because i'm coming from a completely different place like i'm just Going with my gut, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, but it, it somehow works. Sure, yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah. So I decided no, I'm not going to be a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. It's also like employment-wise a very shaky ground. Yes, I would want stable income and employment. Yeah, it's hard but, to get a gig in that in that field. Oh yeah, very competitive. So I didn't know what to do, mm. and my mum worked at a hospital. Oh really? Not like as a nurse, whatever, but in the admin side. Yes. She was a clerk. And she said, look, I know a lot of nurses, male nurses. Um, you know, you're good with people. You're caring, believe it or not. Uh, so, you know, maybe, you know, that might be an avenue to explore. Yeah. And I thought, well, I haven't got anything else. Sure. So, I might as well give it a go. Yeah. And um, so, I did. And... I hated it. <laughs> the only perk for that was, yeah. and I stuck it out for two years, the only perk for that was that I was the only guy in my class. Okay. <laughs> well, the only straight guy in my class. Yeah, that's a plus. <laughs> it was such a plus. You know, being surrounded by young nurses yeah, does wow. not suck. No, not at all. You know, if they needed a guinea pig. Sure. Like, you know, if they're saying, now this is how you hear someone's heartbeat. Get the stethoscope out and Nick, shirt off. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It was yeah. great. So- Where were you studying? Uh, Vic Uni at St. Albans. Okay. So, still keeping it in the West. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know, I didn't get tired of getting touched up. That didn't <laughs> suck. Um, but the rest of it did. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, nah, this isn't for me. So, but then I knew by this point, I knew more people in the hospital world. Okay. And, um, they told me about like some of the admin people, they said there's this health information management course. Right. It's all to do with stats. And like I did maths in high school i'm pretty good with that sort of stuff yeah a lot of it management and things like that so i went down that route and that was at bandura 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Latrobe. Latrobe, yeah. Yeah. So, stuck that out for another four years. And oh, so, and that did, you were like, yeah, I'm into this. I can I can distinguish <sighs> myself. It. So, I felt like I was kind of selling my soul a little bit. I still do feel like that today. Sure. It, it's not my passion at all. No, but you were good enough at it that you figured I could I could at least make money doing this. Exactly. And then pursue my other artistic stuff, you well, know, Yeah, exactly. Work. I, I work to feed my crippling music habit. Yeah, man. So, you know. <laughs> Preaching to the choir here, yeah. brother. <laughs> so, you know, I've been in that workforce or in that field since then till now. Yeah, you know? right. And yeah. now I work for the Department of Health. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a government pleb. Yeah, <laughs> Stooge. You're, in, you're in the dot .gov. That's right, I am. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I am. The dot you, .gov. You got a dot .gov email address. I do, <laughs> I do. Go, and I had a Vic Pole address as well, there so I was go. with them for a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's such a different world to yeah, the man. music world, which is it's kind of like that yin and yang kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I yeah. guess it would kind of, Have you ever seen the movie with Mark Wahlberg? It's called Rockstar. You seen this yes, film? Yes. When, he, when he's like the, the copier, he's doing the copies in the in yeah, the yeah. office, right? And the guy comes up to him, he's like, "Is that eyeshadow on your <laughs> face?" And he's like, "I'm in a band." <laughs> Is yeah. that you? Like you show up to it, you know? One uh, time, uh, I had a Sunday gig. Yeah, and this was with uh, a band called the Scarlets. Um, Anth Nekic, he was with us for a little bit, mm. and. Yeah, like, you know, oh, wore the black nail polish yes, or whatever. Yes, yes. Had the Sunday gig, had work on Monday, rocked up to work on Monday, and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't take the polish <laughs> off. So, I'm like, sort of like scratching and, you know, trying yeah. to scratch it off because I didn't have remover. Who no, takes remover? No, you're a work, bloke. Who has you know? that? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd be in meetings because I'm like, you know, up at management level now. And I'm kind of trying to hide my knuckles and hide, hide <laughs> while I'm like talking to people, and they must be thinking like, "What's he doing with his hands?" Yeah, like, yeah. Don't look. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, total, totally same thing. Can relate to that. Fantastic. Yeah. And so you're, um, yeah. So you're doing the day gig, yep. which is great because so many musos don't go down that route. Most, Mm-mm. so many of them just play music and don't get the day gig. So that's admirable, man. Well done. I think um, I. So, starting when I did, like, uh, joining the whole music thing. Mm. So, I was pretty much self-taught for seven months, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, mm, you know what? I'm just going to start putting the feelers out for bands. Sure. And, yeah, the first proper band that I joined, the guys were much older than me. Right. So, I was, by this point, 18 turning 19, yep. and the guys were in their late 30s, but they'd okay. been around the block. Like, they, they were in good bands. Yeah. Uh, and it was the best rock and roll apprenticeship that I could have asked for, especially at my age. And, yeah, yeah was, like, that was one of the first things that I sort of learned, mm. was if you don't have a job, you don't have money, being in a band's expensive. Yeah. So, if you don't work, you can't pay, you can't play, you can't... Uh, capitalize on these opportunities that might be coming your way. That's right, man. And I saw a lot of people on the rock and doll, <laughs> and I didn't want to be that guy. Sure. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of uh, early lesson. You know, early work lesson, man. And stay working. And stay working. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I, um, I used to go to my lady. She used to work at a bookstore in 
Northlands, and this is in the early noughties. Yeah. And um, when we were first dating, and there was a, a skate shop there because I really love skate culture, and I would, I would always like go into this shop called P P. PSC Pacific yep. Skate Company, I think yeah, it's yep. yeah. Um, and I'm massive um, mark for this one um, skateboarding brand called Volcom. Yeah, you can see the diamonds. Yeah, up I can there. see. Yeah, yeah. So I'd go in there and just buy all my Volcom shit all the time. And there's this dude behind the counter, and his name was Cam. Yep. And I'm, I'm you know, I think I overheard him talking with someone one day, and someone said, "Oh, you know, that's Cam from Body Jar." Oh right! I'm like, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. You mean the body jar from Triple J and festivals around Australia and radio play and you yeah. know biggest punk act of the you know independent you know '90s scene of all time? And, he's, and they're like, "Yeah, that Cam." I'm like, mm. "Holy shit! What's he doing at the fucking skate mm. shop, earning yeah. a you know a ticket?" And then I realised, you know. Even if you're at the top of your fucking game, yeah, yeah, you still need to pay the bills, especially in Australia as well. Especially in Australia, it's man, it's hard. Yeah, and, and it is a bit. Look, even those overseas that sort of portray the image that they're full timers, they're not. Nah, man, no, no way. Unless you're at the tippy top. Yeah, you're working. You're working, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah even the pro wrestlers, like yeah, even man. some of them in on the roster. Yeah, on the roster. Yeah, yeah. For the WWE, they've got a side hustle. They're working and they're working. Yes. <laughs> so, like, yeah. you look like Rollins has got like a coffee co-op or something. In oh yeah, you know, like um, uh, Seamus has his like um a workout channel on YouTube. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Broski and and um. Kurt Hawkins have uh, yeah, yeah. got their wrestling figure podcast that's now. Right. Yeah. But they've all, he's always been very, you know, I mean, that's how he got himself over it. You well, know? that's right, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny that especially the younger generation have this idea mm. that successful people just have that one gig and that's how they make their money. But then when you get older, you realise yeah. it's not how the world works. It's a bit of a – and now this is probably me sounding my age – you know, this millennial attitude of entitlement. Yeah, man. You know, it's like f- money for nothing. Yeah. And it's it doesn't work like that. No. The, the world doesn't work like that and your heroes aren't like that. Yeah, you know? so, yeah, they've all worked for it, man. Yeah, it's even um, sort of like, I would say, not tippy-top European bands, but like with, with Elm Street, we've toured with some, you know, good bands. Yeah. And they all work, and you wouldn't expect them to. You right? Know? And yeah, it's like yeah. they've taken leave to From go on tour. Yeah. Yes. So there you know, you go. they yeah. Well, tell me about that, man. So you play in a band. Um, well, actually, no. Before we do get to Elm Street, I do want to kind of um, pick your brain a little bit more about that band when you first started playing sure. um, bass guitar with the guys who you know in their thirties. Yeah. Was that a cover band or an original band? It was an original band. So at first, I um answered a ad on Melband, Melband, which is where, you know, everyone sort of met their connections to That's start it, off man. with. And it was a guy looking for a bass player from Motley Crue tribute band. And I thought, right. look, Nikki Six's bass lines aren't that difficult. Yeah. I kind of, well, back then, I kind of looked like him. Yeah. So... Yeah, piece of cake. I'll, I'll, that's a good way to start, you know, playing yeah. someone else's music and it's not that hard. Cheap pop, you know, yeah. pretty, pretty easy. Yeah. So uh, we tried getting that going. Um, the band didn't work out, but fortunately I made a really good friend in Stevie out of that. Yes. And then, yeah, you know, we, we were hitting places like back in the day, which was kind of like an 80s metal rock 
night. Night, yeah. A long time ago. It was at the Portland Hotel, run by Dean Boswell. And, you know, I met a lot of friends from there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sure enough, there was an ad on the back in the day message board. This is when people used to go on message boards. This was before MySpace and before Facebook. Yeah. There was a time. There was a time. And they put an ad out for a bass player for a band that was heavily influenced by bands like Turbo Negro, Nashville Pussy, Helicopters, all these bands that I freaking loved. They were they were very... Um, it was the flavour of the scene at that time. Right. Around 2004-ish. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the Scandinavian rock scene it oh, was wow. really like norway was the thing yes um and it was really fresh and exciting and there were some bands that were influenced by that and i th- i really miss that because mm-hmm. there were some really good bands doing that stuff they don't do like that kind of style has fallen out of vogue okay. over the years but yeah, anyway yeah. so that was that band style and that band was called brutal pancho very Brutal strange name. Pancho. So apparently it was named after the discipline stick that the drummer used to get beaten with back in his school days. So, Pancho. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's called Brutal Pancho. Fantastic. So, um, yeah. So the drummer, Shakir, he was in uh, some pretty popular underground Aussie bands yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, he, like, he toured with Johnny Thunders. From uh, New York Dolls, mm-hmm. um, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols. Wow. A few, you know, notable names. Yeah. And Rory, the singer slash guitarist, he was the original guitarist for the Baby Animals before they hit it big. Okay. So they knew their stuff. Like they were, se- I wouldn't call them pros, but they were seasoned. Vets, maybe. Okay. (laughs) So, I was really sitting under the learning tree and they really uh, embraced me. I think, look, I wasn't the best bass player, Mm -hmm. but I was at least solid enough. Yes. uh, And eager. Yeah, you showed up on time. Exactly. And tried hard. And, you know, I treated rehearsals like gigs, like I was headbanging and throwing myself around. Because for me, like, and this might be coming from the soccer days, it's like you train how you play. Like, you treat it like match day. Yes. So, that's how I've always treated rehearsals. Even now, like, maybe not to the extreme that I had back then, but, you know, I'll get into it and I'll thrash around. Sure, man. Yeah. And I don't stay still. It's just a natural thing. And that's something that is very, very important, and it's it's something that I try to impart to my students um, at a young age um, teaching music because so many of them do kind of treat rehearsal like a... You know, like a throwaway thing where it's like, no, 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 no you are you are practicing right now You're training. For what you are going to do yeah. on that day yep. when the gig is. You There's know? no magic switch. Like, in my opinion, you know, you can maybe step it up. Yeah. But it's not going to be natural. No. Right? And you're not going to be comfortable. There's going to be other factors in play. So, yeah. you have to be as prepared as you can. Yeah, man. And that's even when you do end up playing gigs, like you might play a gig to five people, but then, and some people turn their noses up at that and they'll just phone it in and, you know, stare at their shoes no, and yeah. be shitty and whatever. But then what happens if in four weeks time you get booked to play a really good gig Yep. and there's lots of people there. Yep. Are you prepared? Exactly. Yeah. Or what if you're doing the gig to the five people and those five people are full... F- 
thirsty for you. Yeah. They'll show up to your next show exactly. with 50. So instead of having 50 people, you've got 55. If someone's paid money or even if they've gotten a freebie and they've made the effort to turn Come up. Come down, man. You have to respect that. 100%. So Yeah, and so you would always put that on for this show. Absolutely. For this br- uh, brutal poncho. Yes, yeah. that's right. right so on. we were hard rock. Yeah, cool. Um, it wasn't anything brutal. Yeah. But it, was, it was a really good band and cool. we had some opportunities thrown our way. We actually got offered to play with uh, Buck Cherry in the US. Oh, wow. And this is when Buck Cherry were hit and peak form. Yeah. But unfortunately, and this is where the you got to work and have money to afford to be able to do stuff. Certain yeah. people in the band didn't. Weren't able to take themselves over there. To exactly. Say, so, uh, you know, it's one in all in, you know. Yeah. We couldn't do it, so we didn't do it. Mm. And I think that was sort of the beginning of the end right. from there. Yeah. Especially when you're given that kind of opportunity and yeah. some dudes in the band can't. It really sucked. Shit together, yeah. And that was going to be on my birthday as well. That would have been amazing. Yeah, so it didn't didn't happen. Yeah. And so then that, that band fell apart, unfortunately, mm. but the remnants of that band became Tough Luck. Right. So, again, continuing that hard rock style. And we had, we recruited uh, the drummer, I was going by the name of Mike Rivers. I'm not sure what he calls himself now. Mike Joey, maybe. But he was in a band called 10,000 afterwards. Oh, okay. 10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, look, it's a small world. Everyone sort of encountered each other in some way or another. So, we did that for a bit and did well, but I don't think it had the magic of the old band. Right. So, that didn't last too long either. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to cut the old ties, Mm -hmm. start fresh. I'm young enough to. Yep. And use what I've learned and apply it to my own baby, you know, creation. Yeah, nice. So, I was trying to find the right people, and that was tough. Like, as you know, you know, you've been through it yourself Mm -hmm, as well. mm -hmm. And I had a few close calls, um, a few good bands sort of, I feel like I've planted the seeds for other bands. I'm not going to name names, but like, I didn't feel they were right for me. Yes. But they were right for each other. Yeah. And they did their own things. But eventually, um, at one rehearsal, my girlfriend at the time, she sat in and listened, you know, because I said, come check it out. Because she was trying to put together her own band as well. She was a singer. Ah. I said, just come, you know, hang out. Tell me what you think. Yeah. And I'm presenting riffs and songs to um, these people and they're butchering it. And I'm thinking, oh, not again. Mm. And this one I thought was going to be the right, you know, the right one, yeah. but it, it didn't. And so we were driving um, back to her place and I was just really despondent. I'm thinking, this really sucks, you know, I'm trying so hard. Yeah. And then I remember that she was trying to put together a band with some dude that she knew and it sucked. It was terrible. Right. And like she'd play, you know, some stuff to me and I'm thinking, oh, God. But she had a voice, like she 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 could sing. Ah. And I thought, it was just that light bulb moment. I said, you know what? You're going to sing in my band. Huh. She's like, what? Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just need to find another drummer. Yeah. And a guitarist. How yeah. hard can that be? <laughs> <laughs> so, Piece of piss. Yeah, no worries. So, uh, we, yeah, threw together some really bad demos. Yeah. Of shit songs. 
But people responded, you know, and we got this girl, Lizzie, on drums. She'd never been in a band before, but she had, I don't know, she, I kind of saw myself in her when I started. She was skilled. Yes. She wasn't very confident, but I knew that I could help her. Yes. And she, she was a diamond in the rough. I knew once she got a bit of confidence and, you know, settled in. She'd be really good. Nice. And she did. She she ended up being fantastic. Fantastic. And we got uh, this guy, Rick, from a punk band called No Idea. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're kind of, or had been, seen leaders for a while, like mm. in the local punk scene. They'd been on recovery and yeah. supported No Effects and, oh, you know, wow. done some really good stuff. Yeah. And... I didn't think he'd be the right fit, but he was the right fit at the time. Nice. So now we had a motley little crew yeah. of very different people, different experiences and whatever. Yeah. And then the sound really took shape and it was kind of like a female-fronted hard rock slash punk band Yep. with heavy influences of German bands that I'd always listened to. Right. Um, bands like Die Tortenhausen, um, called... Literally, it's translated to the dead pants, but they're the dead beats, right? <laughs> so, they're, they're really good. They're, they kind of really blend the rock and the punk thing really well. Right. So, when people think of German bands, they think of Rammstein, and that's about it. Yeah. But know. all these other bands that I know, yeah. nothing like that. And how, how did you come to find these, these bands from Germany? Like, did someone introduce you to them, or you were like, oh... So, a girl this- that I was dating beforehand, mm. she... Lived in Germany for a couple of months, mm-hmm. like student exchange thing. Right. And she brought me like this mix, it wasn't a mixtape, mix CD. Yeah. And it was, there was some Detentenhaus and stuff on that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, where has this been all my life? Yeah. It was like a, a come to Jesus thing, you know, <laughs> like hallelujah. Yeah. So I've really got around that. And then this was in the early like days. your songwriting. It did. It yeah, really did. Nice. So. There was that, and then there was another band called Bursa Uncles, which is mm-hmm. Evil Uncles, um, and more like bands of that vein. Yeah. Um, it really did shape the songs that I'd write. And right. I thought, if I, no one's doing this sort of stuff here. Yeah. So musically, I know what path I need to go down. Yeah. Vocally, so Nelly, she obviously a uh, female, but she didn't. Or our sound wasn't very stereotypical, female-fronted. Because, unfortunately, there are traps that they fall into. Yes. And we made a conscious effort of not falling into those traps. Okay. She had a really strong voice. Yes. Really powerful. Um, And the image was... We didn't want to use sex to sell. Mm Mm-hmm. It was, you know, uh, female empowerment, even like back then. Yeah. It was like... Is this like circa 2006, seven? Oh, it was probably 09. 09, yeah. So, you know, it, 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 there was a movement, but yeah. it wasn't quite at the strength that it is now. Yeah. No. Uh, so, I wouldn't say we were at the forefront, whatever, <laughs> but we, we were doing our own thing. We yeah, didn't, man, yeah. We didn't comply to any of the um, rules or standards that were set by the rock scene in Melbourne at that time. Right. We wanted to sit as our own thing. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, we got booked on some really good gigs. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that was our own doing, mm-hmm. just having the guts to ask certain bands, you know, hey, do you want to headline a show? We'll be main support and- you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah. Our first gig was uh, supporting Fast Track. 
Yeah. Uh, at their, it was their EP launch, I think. Okay. And it was our debut gig. We were booked to play at the Ding Dong Lounge, but for whatever reason, they double booked. So, our alternative that venue- That sound like the Ding Dong Lounge. No. And I wonder if the bands got paid. <laughs> so, our alternative was, or backup plan was the Hi-Fi Bar. Okay, that was the backup. That was the backup. So, we thought, holy crap, that's a bit bigger than the Ding Dong. Yeah, but we bigger. filled it. Wow. So Was this with the fast track? Yep. And oh, yeah. we had a lot of people there to see us because yeah. Rick had a name. From no idea. Yes. And I had a name from what I'd done. Yes. And Nelly, she was, she likes to say she was a name in, in the alternative modeling world. So, sure. You know, that was the perv factor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, and the curiosity factor too, because we really did, like, we put in so much effort into the promo. Like, did you say what the name of the band was? The Scarlets. Oh, that is the Scarlets. That's the Scarlets. Yeah, ah. sorry. I didn't even mention that. No, so, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, so that is the Scarlets. Yeah, yeah. So, the misconception was that people thought we named the band after Nelly Scarlet, but I named Nelly Huey Nelly Scarlet after the band The Scarlets. So, it kind of, um, you know, we wanted to really have this... The idea was going to be that, you know, we're all going to be Scarlets. Right. Like the Ramones. Ah, okay. But that's a bit dicky. Right. So, I thought, no, no, just Nelly Scarlet. You do that. We'll do our own. So, she took on the stage name of Nelly Scarlet. Yes. And yep. then you were the Scarlets. Yes, kind exactly. Of yeah, that's yeah, cool, yeah. man. That's cool. So, yeah, that went really well. After a year, like things really picked up for us. We had a lot of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't piss anyone off, mm-hmm. uh, which is always important. Yeah. And then um, there was this Triple M competition to find a support band for Bon Jovi uh, ah. on their 2010 tour. Okay. And we just did a Halloween gig. And I remember coming home and I was on the laptop, just sort of like, you know, sussing out what's going on. And all these people in bands were going, oh, we just registered for the Triple M Bon Jovi competition. And I'm like, hmm, well, if they're doing it, fuck it, I'll just, I'll, I'll chuck one of our songs on and sure, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then fast forward, I think it was a week or two. Yeah. And get a call from Triple M. Shit off. And they said, I'm at work, you know, and they say, yeah. oh, uh, you Nick from the Scarlet's? I'm like, yeah, who's calling? <laughs> yeah, who's calling? <laughs> and they said, oh, you've been shortlisted as one of the final five bands for this Bon Jovi support band competition. Wow. I thought, whoa, okay, what does that mean? Yeah. They said, oh, it's like all the DJs and people that worked at Triple M, they had a vote. Like, huh. And um, they... You know, shortlisted their final five. Yes. And who are the other bands? It was uh, Shadow Queen. It was us. Mm-hmm. The Deep End. The Deep End, yeah. Um, can't remember who the other bands were. But there was one who fe- the band featured the tour manager of the upcoming Bon Jovi show. Yeah. So. Okay, a bit of jobs for the I was, boys there. I, I was clued in on that as the competition was going Got on. Got closer, yeah. So, yeah. So now it was up to a public vote out of the five. Really? Um, and it was like, you know, your typical campaign for votes kind of thing. Yeah. Which oh, I it, hate. That was, well, that was definitely Facebook 2010. Yeah. Is that how you were promoting yeah, yourselves? Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. So, um, we just flogged ourselves. Yeah. Really got the word out. Yeah. We were fortunate that 
a lot of the more prominent bands in the scene were embracing of the fact they're in the competition mm-hmm. instead of sort of like being, no, we, you know, if we're not doing it, you're not doing it kind of thing. Like they all, like they were rallying people, like their own supporters to vote for us as well, oh, which wow. is really cool. That's cool. And yeah, you fast up. Oh, and yeah, so then someone clued me in that one of the bands that were in the competition who I'd never heard of before, the song wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably had, 150 Facebook fans. Mm. It was all a bit sus. Okay. Something didn't sit right about these guys. And even like, uh, so it was a particular show, like an afternoon shift show. It was a new one um, on Triple M. Yes. They were kind of running the competition. Okay. But they they thought they were funny. They thought they were like comedians, but they're pretty bad. Mm. And they were making jokes at the band's expenses and making a mockery of the competition, but they were always talking up this... One, one band. band. This doesn't feel right. Okay. So then someone clued me and they said, hang on, I know the guy in the band and he is the tour manager for the upcoming show. Right. And I looked at the terms and conditions and it said employees you know, associated with the tour cannot be eligible for the competition. Yeah, man. Red flag. So I, I contacted the other bands. Yes. So look. This is what I found out. Yeah. Uh, you okay with me saying something? Yeah. And, you know, do you guys stand behind that? You know, are you on board? Are you cool? And they're like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, we don't want to rock the boat. No, no, no. What? I don't think so. You know, no, nah, it couldn't be. I'm like, well, screw you guys. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not just sticking up for us. I'm sticking up for you guys because we're all busting our asses. Yeah. So, how heartbroken or paved are you going to be yeah. when it comes to the time to announce the winner? Yeah. And it's those guys who are doing nothing, yeah. no nobody, yeah. we've never heard of. So, I, you know, made the call and they're yeah. like, oh, well, yeah, I guess you're right. So, they booted them off. There you go. So, five down to four. Five down to four. So, our odds increased, yes. I guess. And then, yeah, sure enough, we got the call. We're supporting Bon Jovi. You won. We won. Fantastic. So, that, um, look, I'm sure people probably might joke, you know, behind my back, whatever, going, oh, here he goes, he's mentioning that gig again. But hey, (laughs) if you can put that on your resume. Dude. Do it. You got to tell people that, that's insane. Yeah, so we supported them at Rod Laver. Mm Mm-hmm. That was the warm-up show. Yeah. <laughs> because the next night was at Eddie Had Stadium. Jeez. And it was awesome. Wow. Uh, amazing. It's kind of... Like I, I was saying, or we, we were saying, you know, sometimes you play to five people. Yeah, man. But you have to treat it like you're playing a stadium. That's it. And once you actually do play a stadium, mm-hmm. it's black. You can't see anyone. It, really? It, 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 it's because the lights are on you. Okay. And the crowd is so far back that you you just see darkness. And so, this was at um, Rod Laver or, or Eddie Had? Rod Laver, you could kind of see people. Okay. Because they're closer. Yeah, But yeah, Eddie yeah. Had, man, it was black. Wow. And just lights on the stage. Yeah. So- And it wasn't daylight savings or nothing. It was- Well, it the was, roof was closed. The roof was closed. The roof was closed. Had. Yeah, yeah. Shit off. So, yeah, you know, you'd play and then you'd hear, like, from somewhere, it's like- like, whoa. Whoa. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But the thing is, with the Eddie Had crowd, there was more... Um, so, the Rod Laver, 
the diehards got tickets for that. Yes. So they were into rock, whatever. Yeah, they were really on your the side. The crowd was electric. Away. Yeah. And they were really supportive. The Eddie Had crowd, they just, it was housewives in their best dresses. Yeah. They just wanted to see Bonjour, John, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So we still got a good reaction. Yeah. But, you know, I saw some reviews on Ticketmaster or whatever, because you Google yourself afterwards. You oh, know, yeah, go, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, that grunge band that supported them, you know, all they were doing was screaming. And I'm thinking, what band were you watching? <laughs> right. But this was their one night out for the year, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But that was a huge... Um, that was a career-changing thing for us, I guess, because yeah. after that, we're getting much better gigs. We got yeah. offered, you know, European tour after that. Yes. We had record labels sniffing around, but the problem was they wanted us to change everything about us. Oh, really? Change the image, um, you know, soften up the sound, make it more commercial, get rid of the guitarist, all sorts of stuff. So... We unfortunately did listen to one manager who, you know, he'd managed good bands. Okay. And he was sort of grooming us, I guess. And mm-hmm. we, we were naive. We, we didn't know anything. So, get rid of the guitarist and, you know, do this, do that. Mm. So, I thought, I'm not going to do this musically, what you're saying. Like, I'm not going to add keyboards and I'm not going to listen to rogue traders and whatever. Okay. But the guitarist doesn't fit. Okay. So, and he he wasn't really carrying his weight anyway. So, right. we cut him out, but timing sucked. So, when we gave him the boot, mm. two weeks later, we find out we're supporting Bon Jovi. So, the punk community was in uproar. Huh. This was... So, so you... So, this was before you got the Bon Jovi spot. So, we booted the guitarist out before we entered, like a day before we entered the competition. Oh, shit. Right. And so, booted him out. We, um, we're just going to carry on. We got this guy. I'm not going to name his name, but he's a real piece of trash. Right. I, I, like, I've threatened him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he, uh, he, he said a lot of things that were not true about okay. his situation. Yeah. Like saying, oh, they paid me to play for him. And Dude, I haven't even got money for myself, let alone paying a guitarist. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, you got someone in other than him to do these Bon Jovi spots. Yeah, well, because we we were committing to the decision. Ah. This guy, he wasn't carrying his weight. Okay. He, he wasn't good enough, to be frank. Yes. So, we got a guy that was super enthusiastic, our age, mm-hmm. um, seemed committed. Yeah. This wasn't Ant, though. No, 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 no. This is pre-Ant. Poor Ant. Um, <laughs> but he, he's a douche. No, no, no. He's a good, <laughs> good dude. So, this guy... Um, yeah, he seemed good, but okay. as it turned out, he just wanted the glory. Oh, okay. Because he found and, out that was the gig that yeah, he was getting. Yeah. Yeah, so, you right. think like your first two gigs with the band, um, you're doing <laughs> stadiums. So, you didn't do any warm-up shows before the Bon Jovi Oh, no, we did one. do one. We did one at Revolver. Okay. And the heater broke. I mean, the air conditioner broke. This was in summer. Ugh. So, it was a sweat box. But, you know, he passed that test. Okay. And you thought, oh, this will be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he... he He's up for it, mm. but he was a monster. He got really picky with gigs that we were offered afterwards. Okay, had to cancel a few shows because he just flat out refused to do the shows. Mm. And who who cops the flack? The guy that's sort of managing the band. That's you, man. So it all fell on me. Yeah. So my name was starting to get tarnished. Right. Made up for it. 
kissed a lot of ass, which is against every fibre of my being. Sure. Booted the guy out after a month because mm-hmm. he just oh, real piece of work. Yeah. And so then we got. Um, no, we didn't get out. <laughs> I'm waiting. No, 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 no. I'm waiting. No, no, no. We got this guy Petey in. He was yeah. 18. Um, he was too young. Okay. He was talent. He was amazing. He was an awesome guitarist. Guitar player. Really, yeah. really good. Yeah. But he was a kid. Right. He Just too he green. He couldn't make it. He had a stage dad. Decisions couldn't be made without his consultation. Oh, wow, man. And so... I don't have any luck here, mate. Fast forward to the European tour that we had coming up. So, yeah. this was the big draw for that. Um, we were going to be supporting this guy, Stefan Weidner. Yes. He was the songwriter and bass player for this band, Bursa Uncles, who I mentioned not too long ago. Yes. Um, so, the Bursa Uncles, they were massive, but they'd broken up. And you had been offered this gig before the Bon Jovi spot? No, no, afterwards. Oh, after. Okay, so on the heels of the Bon Jovi yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. So right, he found right. out about us because our video clip had his band tagged in it. Someone was searching that band. Mm-hmm. Our video came up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, a band from Australia? They've supported Bon Jovi. They're doing cool things. But why are they Why are they tagging Bursa Uncles? Yeah, right. It's random. Yeah. So they forwarded it to Stefan, who was like the band leader of that band. Huh. So to give you some context, Bursa Uncles, they broke up in 04. Mm. Their final show was in front of 250,000 people. <laughs> they had that. Motorhead, Rose Tattoo, Children of Bottom, Machine Head support them. Jeez. They had like it was their own mini festival in front of 250,000 people. Dude. <laughs> so the big. Big deal, right? Big band. But now he's doing a solo band and they're still like doing pretty good. Not to that level, but doing well. Still pretty good. So they contact Stefan and they go, check this out. It's a bit strange. Mm. It's like, hmm, okay. So they somehow got my... Oh, was it one of those things where someone goes, oh, if you like these guys, you should check these guys out. And that that appeared in like the comment section or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the band saw that and like, oh, wow, you you would like these guys. Well, 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 someone that knew him saw it. (laughs) Right, right. And they passed it over to him. Passed it over him. There you go. And he's like, oh, interesting. Mm. The curiosity factor really struck them. So he thought... Well, let's contact them. Okay. So they did. Yeah. But they didn't contact the, the band email. So there was the band email, but then there was my email. Right. They contacted me. Mm. And so I'm at like some Excel course for work <laughs> in the city <laughs> and I'm not paying attention to the course material. I'm like surfing the web. Yeah. And I'm checking my email and there's this email from like, it looked like Stephen, blah, blah, blah. And I was expecting an email from my mate Stevie, and I'm like, I can't be stuffed with this right now, but I'll read it anyway. Yeah. And saying, oh, hey, um, my name's Stefan. I'm from Bambus Uncles. Um, saw your video. And I'm reading it, like, not registering. Right. And I'm like, hang on. What? What is this? Huh? Huh? Oh, this is that guy from that band yeah whoa holy crap how does how how does he know us yeah (laughs) you know but he was he's the gist of his email was that you know um i really like your band yeah but how do you know about us Mm. just curious like let a brother know yeah 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 that's what you replied straight away yeah i was like you know oh my god i love you yeah yeah, yeah. actually no i sat on it for a day 
Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I needed to process this. Sure, man. So, because he's songwriting influenced my songwriting. So, yeah. I guess it's kind of why we dug each other's stuff. That makes sense, yeah. So, yeah, I, I responded and said, oh, you know, really like your band or whatever. Mm-hmm. And turned out that um, Nelly, our singer, she knew a fashion designer and they were going to have their wares displayed on the catwalk of this Berlin Fashion Festival. And they said, they said, now for something pretty cool, do you guys want to play on top of a, a bus while we do our thing? Okay. Yeah, of yeah. course. So I messaged Stefan and I said, hey, this is what we might be coming to Germany. Yeah. Do you want to hang out? Mm. He goes, anytime. Anytime. Just name it. I'll come to my studio. We'll hang out. Yes. Awesome. Anyway, that whole thing fell through. It was too good to be true. Right, right. But then he he released an album. They had a tour. It was successful. But then they were going to have sort of the reprisal off that tour at the end of the year. Right. So look, we're doing this. If you're interested, jump on board. If not, no worries. Understand. Yeah, yeah. So, we thought about it. We're like, look, realistically, we can't do the whole tour. We'll do a couple of dates. Yes. And we'll fit in some some of our dates as well. You know, we'll do our own shows too to make it really worthwhile. So, we agreed. So, we did this. uh, We had this European tour booked at the end of the year. Right on. Three weeks before we're going to go out on tour, Petey, the guitarist, the kid, disappears. Disappears? Couldn't couldn't contact him. Huh. Couldn't get a hold of him. So strange. And I'm going, Petey, are you still in the band? No response. And I'm like, dude, we need to know. Yeah. Because we either cancel the tour or find a replacement or whatever. Something, yeah. And so his mum called and said, no, he's not in the band anymore. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, my God. What do I do? So, I knew this guy, Alex, and he was a fan of the band. Total sweetheart. Like, awesome dude. Yeah. Good good kid. You know? He was always at the gigs. He was always, like, respectful, you know? Sure. And I knew he was a guitarist because he was in this band called Bombastic Plastic, and he seemed to vibe with the stuff that we liked. Yes. And I said to him, hey, do you have a passport? This is completely random, out of the blue. I go, yeah, yeah. Facebook Messenger, do you have a passport? He goes, yeah, why? I said, do you want to join our band? <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, but what's the deal with the passport? I said, okay, so there's a catch. Um, we're going on tour in Germany um, in three weeks. Yeah. Can you get time off? He goes, oh, let me check. Comes back to me an hour later. Yep, I'm in. I'm in. Like. Sign me up. Awesome. So, to be fair, we paid for his flight. Yes. Because, you know, it, it, it's the right thing to do. That's very cool of you. So, we did that. And, um, yeah, he came over with us. And I got along with him. So, I knew that he would be fine. Mm. Our drummer couldn't make it. So, we got a German guy to fill in. He wow. was actually the drummer in the band of our tour manager. Huh. So, yeah, it, it was... A good tour. Turns out that the drummer wasn't just filling in the drum position. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the relationship ended because uh, there was extracurricular activities, activities being, being done. Being engaged upon. 
With a member of the band? Yes. Oh. So, um, yeah, that the band wasn't the same after that. Because okay. the relationship ended. Oh, okay. The gigs were great. Yeah. Uh, we, st- we still pulled it together. Yes. With all, all this stuff in the background kind of happening. And all then right. we came back and then uh, the singer, my ex-girlfriend, was a different person after that. Right. Very difficult to deal with. Huh. Um, she'd been caught red-handed. Yeah. And kind of didn't take that very well. Okay. Strangely. Yeah. So, it was just a year of torture. She was making bad decision after bad decision. And one of those was getting rid of Alex from the band. Mm-hmm. So, we got Anthin. Ah. So, you know, one door closes, another opens. Sure. And Anth was awesome. Yeah. And who did you have on drums at this point? Uh, our, our original drummer. Oh. So, she couldn't, she couldn't do the German tour. She ah. just couldn't get time off work. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we had this other guy fill in. Yeah. Whatever, so you know that happened, but she was back on board. She was back on board. But the vibe in the band was dark and ugly. We were being offered. Um, so Stefan wanted us to join his record label. Wow. He was going to co-write, produce, do the whole shebang. Mm. Well, like we can trust this guy. He had a very uh, boutique la- label, but he had. Do you know the band DAD? No. Disneyland After Dark. So they did they did a really That's big a great name. Yeah. They did a really big song called I'm Sleeping My Day Away. Okay. Um, which you may have heard. It was very big in the early nineties. Right. So they were on the label and they were doing great things in Europe. Um Stefan's own band was on the label. Yes. Um he had another band called Eschenbach who were German. They were doing good. And we would be the fourth band. Right. And he moved mountains for his bands. So, we're like, wow, you know, if he can commit that sort of thing to us, that'd be mm, great. Mm. But the songwriting was non-existent. It was just too difficult. So, that band died a, a slow, horrible death. That's a shame. And then it really put me off the band experience for a bit. Okay. So, yeah, I was just sort of in one band out of another. Like, I joined Arcane Saints. Oh, did you um, really? For one gig. Really? But uh, I wasn't feeling it. Huh. Because the bass player in the past outs joined Arcane Saints. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's a small world. It's a small world, man. So, they were great guys. Yeah. Awesome songs. Yeah. Killer album. Yeah. Awesome man. album. And they did a tour like to Japan and stuff. Yeah, and they did. They played playing. China and um, yeah. they we were going to do a... Well, they had an American tour booked. Yeah. And I was committing to it, but after that gig, I wasn't feeling it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't Very feel... Very definitely a big departure from what you'd done previously. It was, and I wasn't feeling it. Like, I, it wasn't satisfying me. Right, so right. So, I just said to the guys, look, I, I, I can't do this. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, they didn't take it very well, which is understandable. Yeah, fair enough. But um, I just couldn't do it. So, and then, you know, I was rehearsing with other bands, and it just, it wasn't... The magic wasn't there. Yes. And then uh, I was seeing a girl who was a bass player. Okay. And she told me, and this is like fast forward a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And oh, in the meantime, I was doing side bands as well. So there was a, a band that I allegedly may have been in called Los Amigos. Ah, okay. Dastardly Mexican luchadors. Who, yes. Um, you know, lie, cheat, and steal. They and do. Rock. And rock. Very hard. So, I yeah. Apparently, I was in that band. Mm. And, you know, doing all sorts of things like that. And, yeah. So, anyway, this girl was say- saying to me, um, 
I'm auditioning for Elm Street. Mm. I'm like, I was thinking, hmm, interesting. Well, good luck. Yes. I hope you get the gig. And then as soon as, you know, we departed company, uh, I jumped on the emails and said, guys, you looking for a bass player? I'm looking for a band. Yes. Can we jam? Mm. Like, yes. Because we knew off each other. Because they went to your school. We went to the same school. Uh, I'd seen them. Like, I was a fan of Elm Street. Right. I loved Elm Street. Yeah. They were one of the first sort of bands that was really flying the f- true flag for heavy metal mm. uh, f- years ago. Because they all started when they were 14. They they formed the band before they even played instruments. <laughs> they watched Iron Maiden Rock in Rio. Yeah. And they said, this is what we want to do. Wow. You're going to play drums. You're going to play guitar. You'll play bass. Yeah, I'll sing. And they went off and learnt. Wow. And then, you know, they're in the high school band. Like, the, their, their high school band was that band. Yes. And they just stuck at it and got really good. Yeah. And... I remember seeing them at the SP basement on like a, I think it was even like a Tuesday or something. Sure. There was no one there. Sounds like the SP basement. Yeah, yeah. There was no one there. But I was, I was thinking, what? What is this? This is awesome. Like, that was, it wasn't thrash metal. It was just energetic, old school metal. Sure. I loved it. And I was a fan ever since. Yes. And that was, you know, there'd always be the bloody support bands for these big metal bands that would come into town. So... See Sepultura, who's supporting uh, Elm Street again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Except uh, Elm Street, there they are. Yeah. You know, like, but I enjoyed it, you know. I, I say that joking, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. were doing good things, and their f- debut album was phenomenal, Barbed Wire Metal. And the guy that did the artwork was Ed Repka, who did, like, Megadeth's Rust in Peace and Peace Cells. And, you know. Jeez. So, they, they were getting the name. Yeah, you know? man. So, I was always enjoying their stuff. And so, when uh, this girl tells me, I'm not going to name names, you know. Uh, to protect the guilty. But anyway, when she said that Elm Street are looking for a bass player, I'm like, oh, i got to get on that. Like, that is something that I could get behind. Gig, yeah. And we clicked, man. It was the whole Western Suburbs connection. Sure. It's we, a big, big thing. The, Thomas Love, the drummer, he's Croatian as well. So, you yeah. know, we, we bonded over that. We, we kind of got each other. Yeah, yeah. We knew the like They would talk about obscure stuff. And I knew exactly what they were talking about because yeah, we all grew up with the same thing. Cool thing. And it's so funny. Like, what I found was that I was such an... I felt like such an outsider being a pure Western Suburbs wog. Yes. Uh, because so many bands are from either the North or more from the Southeast. You know, there was all these cliques and I never fit in with any of that. Mm-hmm. But neither did these guys. Right. They were like their own separate entity as well. Yeah. So, I love that. It's like the underdog kind of thing. It's something that I never really understood until um, later in my career because when I would go to see bands, I just assumed, okay, well, this band is a band from Melbourne. Yeah. I didn't see them as a band from this suburb area mm. or that suburb area. Yeah. Only until I joined a band from the other side of the fucking world. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> from uh, the 
southeast, I think, yeah, like yeah. Clayton area oh, or whatever, yeah. and Mitchum and that. Yep. And then I realised, oh wow, this is a whole other world over here. It really is. And they have their bands that they play with from that area. Yes. Because they, they stick all grew to up their together own. And yeah. They stick to their own, and I'm That's like, right. this is not a something that I even knew yep. existed until I joined that band. Well, that's right. And it's kind of, I don't know, I was always the outsider at school because I was the heavy metal kid. Yeah. And everyone else was into Eiffel 65. And Now, don't get me wrong, that's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me too. Who's know? Eiffel 65? I'm blue, dabba dee, dabba die. Ah, oh, dabba dee, dabba Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Oh, like that weird techno pop That's right. So, you know, that was, that was the in thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had a bit of a secret... Sure, you're into the cool soft stuff. spot for that, but I was, you know, into Metallica and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, at art class, they'd, they'd play Tupac and whatever. Yes, and I'd chuck on Justice for All because it was my turn. Yes, and everyone was hating me for it. So right, right. I was that guy. Yeah, man. So I never fit in, and then when it hit the music, like when I was actually in bands and in the music scene, mm. again, I I never really fit in, and I didn't want to fit in. Sure. I didn't want to be in like any of the clicks that were going around. Now, that might have cost me gigs. Yeah. But I knew in the long run, I would have, I don't know, I was doing things honestly. So, if I was to rise to the top, I've earned it and I know I could stay there. Yeah, right on. I'm not relying on, and I'd always say this to uh, people that I'm in bands with. Yes. Don't rely on your mates because if someone has a birthday party and you've got a gig on, where are they going to go? Birthday yeah. party. They're not yeah. going to go to your gig. No, no. So, if you get a genuine fan base through hard work, yeah, it doesn't matter who has a birthday party or whatever. Like, people will be there. Yeah, nice one. So, Elm Street, what I always respected of them was that, A, they were never part of the scene politics. Yeah, right. The rock scene can be very political. Mm-hmm. The heavy metal scene can be very political. Mm. Any scene, you know, yeah. it's the same story and whatever. Yeah. So, they stuck at their noses out of that and I always respected that. And they have a lot of respect for that. Uh, and they gigged and gigged and gigged and toured and toured and toured. So, They're, you joined those guys and did you hit the ground running? Were yes. Were you able to go straight like on tour with straight those Straight into it. So, they parted ways with their bass player just before the album release. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think, more his decision than theirs. Yes. For... Uh, I just think the workload might have been too much mm-hmm. because they, they were constantly touring, and it's hard to dedicate, a, you know, as much time that. as is needed for that. Yeah. So respect, you know, he did an awesome job on the album. So the album that I gave you, knock him out with the metal fist. Yeah, man, I have it in my uh, hot yeah. little hands. Yeah. So I didn't play on that, but I joined the touring cycle for that album. Right on. So his work was phenomenal on that. It's really good bass playing. Mm. So. I had big shoes to fill and because there was a bass player before him as well who's playing, his nickname was Cliff, Cliff Burton. Yes. You know, so this is the kind of scenario that I was stepping into. Yeah, big big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and also I can't neglect that I was also in another band called Red Light Riot as well uh, just before Elm Street. Okay. So what happened was when the Scarlets broke up. Yeah. Well, actually we didn't break up at first. We kicked out Nelly. Mm. The singer. Wow. She was too much, too much. So, the singer that I wanted was this uh, girl, Christy. She was in a band called Kill the Apprentice, punk band. But she, we did this uh, festival in Brisbane called The Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. They were on just before us, Scarlets. And she blew me away. Like, I was like, this chick just has presence. She's got balls, you know, like just 
Her delivery, her, she looked great as well. Yeah. She was a killer. It had a real uh, Chrissy Amphlett vibe, but completely different type of singer. Okay. Which is like, Chrissy looks like she could kill. <laughs> Chrissy looks like, well, yeah. Kill the Apprentice Chrissy, looks like she could kill as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I wanted her to sing for the Scarlet. So, I'm like, this could be cool. Yeah. But she she said, no, 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 I'm doing my own thing and whatever. So, I ended up joining that thing like years later. All oh, right. So, and that was good. Like, that was an awesome time too. Yeah. Female-fronted punk band. Uh, Nina, the guitarist, phenomenal. Ed, the guitarist, awesome. And Brett, killer drummer. So, I had a lot of fun with that. But the good thing about that music was I got to get my geezer butler on. So, like, really stretch my playing now. Like, I was getting really comfortable with what I was doing. Okay. Bass solos and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really... uh, fared well with the whole Elm Street thing because mm-hmm. there was this bass solos galore complicated bass runs their music's yeah. not easy no and it was a big step it was the music that I've always wanted to play yes but had never gotten to play sure so now I could do it that's cool man yeah so, and so did you actually get to um, tour with the Elm Street yeah yeah tell yeah, me yeah, about yeah. the touring days any funny stories oh man <laughs> the whole thing so we um, <laughs> our first Overseas tour, well, my first overseas tour with them, because they'd done a lot beforehand. Yes. Uh, was supporting Ross the Boss from Manowar and the Dictators. Okay. So he, it's kind of like, it'd be like going on tour with Ace Freely. Like Ace was on all the cool Kiss stuff. Right. You know, and he wrote the cool stuff in Kiss. Okay. So that was Ross. He was in the good era of Manowar. Okay. So what he was doing was a tour just playing all the old Manowar stuff. Ah, okay. But I loved The Dictators too. So, he was in that band as well, like punk originators. Right. So, that was a big buzz for me as well. But the rest of the guys like, no, 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 Manowar. It's all about Manowar. So, yeah, he was awesome. He really embraced us. He he would hang out more with us than his own band. Wow, that's cool. And he had Rhino, who was Manowar's drummer at one point as well, in his band. Yes. So, it was... Half of Man of War, you know, yeah, that man. we were playing with. It was really cool. So, one night we played this venue and they had accommodation at the venue. And it was in Eversham. So, it's country bumpkin town. But all these bands passed through. What country? England. Oh, in the UK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this was a UK tour that we were doing. Right. And so... The bar, they specialised in dessert shots. So, you could have your chocolate cupcake shot. Nice. Or your your, uh, banana sundae shot. You know, all all these different stuff. And we thought, let's go through the menu. (laughs) And so, uh, me and Ross were having dessert shots. And I'm picking his brain, not over Manowar stories, but over dictator stories. Like, you know, what was Joey Ramone like? And, yeah. y- you know, uh, you played with Mark Mendoza from Twisted Sister. That ended that conversation very quickly because <laughs> that split wasn't amicable. Yeah. But anyway, we were drinking and whatever. And it got to a point where it was getting really sloppy. Huh. And he walks up to me, like he was talking to someone and he comes up to me like staggering over, his metal legend. And he goes... You, points at me, he goes, you are a degenerate. <laughs> so, I thought Degeneration X, you know, I go, suck it. Yeah, yeah. And he he didn't get it, you know. Yeah, and he yeah, looks yeah. at me and he goes, 
you're a fuckstick <laughs> and went to bed <laughs> and I'm like yes he called me a fuckstick <laughs> that's like getting the seal of approval yeah I was like yes <laughs> fantastic <laughs> so, yeah you know it was it was great so that's yeah that's cool man you know we, we did that then not too long after that we toured Europe mm-hmm. um, with a band called Grand Magus and yeah they're awesome really good band from Sweden and another band called Evil Invaders and they are amazing they're they're making a name for themselves now. Cool. Kill a live act. Yes. They're from Belgium. So, that was good. There was shenanigans. There's always shenanigans. I'm just trying to think of ones that I can actually share. See, that is the balancing act of this podcast. Yeah. Because when I pick the brains of people, sometimes I go, can I share this story and not wind up in jail when it gets released? Yeah. Or can well, I share this story and not piss everyone off in the band? Like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a fine line. Well, so. Mum and dad, listen. Sure, of course. Yeah. So it's kind of it's best they don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm sure they kind of they don't they don't know, but yeah, yeah. they don't want to know. Sure, yeah. Okay, so, mum and dad, stop listening. Nick's yeah, gonna yeah. tell a dirty story. E- earmuffs, guys. There you go. Boom. <laughs> nah, it's uh, I'm, oh god, nah, nothing's sort of like because it's all just one big tour story you know so i can't nothing's jumping out but we did uh last year three months on the road with udo dirk schneider whoa so actually dead city ruins are touring with them now okay uh across europe but the u.s and canada shows were awesome that was a killer tour wow it was hard work we did i think we're over there for 42 Days, yes, and out of those 42 days, we did 38 shows. That's a lot, man. So, we had four nights off, and one of those nights was you know to go to Vegas, sure. So, there weren't nights off, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, did you go gambling in Vegas? <sighs> did I? No, that's one thing I forgot to do because we were so busy. A, place a bet in Vegas, we were busy being degenerates. Ah, we you can't really do much in uh, Vegas, man. No, there's nothing to do in there. The strip yeah. clubs, you can't even, you no, know, there's they, nothing. They, they don't even take down the, the bottom half of that, those places in, in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, you got to go to the right places. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, I'm talking about like near the strip, I'm not talking about like in the desert. Where no, it's, no, you, you know, got to go to shit Vegas. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That's where the good stuff it's is. It's more dodgy. See, this is my problem. When I go on tour, I don't go to the places you're supposed to go. Sure. Because I want excitement. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you don't get excitement in the squeaky clean parts of town. Yeah, you right go, on, man. you got to dig for the dirt. That's it. And you find yourself in interesting Questionable situ- esta- situations. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Vegas was one big questionable situation. Really? Yeah, it's great. It was awesome. Oh, so. Yeah. Vegas is cool, man. Yeah, so that left a mark. So, but now we're working on album number three. So okay, cool. We'll, we'll and now put- this is going to be the one that you'll get to yes. actually lay down, and yeah. you're very excited about that. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's cool, man. Ooh. And so, before we do finish up, because we are going to kind of wind down here sure. pretty soon, I did want to ask you um, if we can go back yep. um, to the Bon Jovi gig that you did, because mm. I didn't ask you when you were talking about it. Did you get to meet any of the band or was it very business-like? Okay, now it's your spot. Now John's on stage to leave him alone kind of thing. Or we did were, he at least shake your hand? We were treated terribly really? by their crew. It was almost yeah. like a statement like, nah, you guys are the support band. Uh-huh. You're going to stay in that corner over there. Right. And the superstars are going to be in this... They can own the venue, but yeah. you stay in this closet. Okay. We um, So when we did the 
Rod Laver show, which was the first show. Yeah. So we're all wide opened and excited and bushy tailed and whatever. So, yeah. but they were, Oprah was in town as well. <laughs> so they. That's right. There was this brew, big brouhaha when she showed up to like Federation Square or something. She shit. was there and they were there. Like uh, they were on the show. John Bon Jovi were on Oprah's show yeah, in yeah. Federation Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. So they, we saw them, we're in catering. And we saw them arrive, like, in their limo. It stopped right in front of the, the, the entrance to the backstage area. We yes. could see it all. Yes. They jump out. And like, oh, my God. It's bon Oprah Jovi. and Bon Jovi. And, yeah. Oprah wasn't with them. It was just Bon Jovi. And then they disappeared for a bit. And then we heard, like, drums and stuff, you know, sort of like people tuning up their instruments. Sure. And they kick into a song. I'm like, oh, my God. Bon Jovi sound checking. <gasps> we got to see this. Yes. So we went out into the arena area and there was no one except the band. Yes. Empty arena. Yes. And us. Private yes. audience. You yeah, know? yeah. And John's busting Richie's chops because Richie Sambora was still in the band. Right. Like stopping him and telling him blah, 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 blah. I couldn't really hear what the, you know he was telling him. But it was, it was clear that he was, was saying, dude, you do this or do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, and they're playing, I think it was Dry Country, which okay. is, you know, pretty cool. And then this guy, this manager dude comes running up to us going, hey, what are you doing? We're like, well, we're, it's okay. We're, we're in the support band. He goes, yeah, exactly. No one watches Bon Jovi Soundcheck. We're like, oh, yeah. <gasps> okay. So we're Jeez. like slinking out. But then we hear, um, you know, like the guy whistling to a microphone. Yeah. It was John. He stopped the band. I'm like, oh, here we go. What now? And he gets in the mic and he goes, the kids can stay. We're like, oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. So, so you did kind of get to yeah, meet him. We're up, the, we're up the front and he's like giving us a thumbs up and like winking at us yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So, well, it's better to play to somebody when you're sound checking. So that, that was cool. And like we asked the manager, we said, hey, can we meet the band? He goes, oh, I won't guarantee it. Right. It's kind of like, just leave us alone. Leave us alone kind of thing. We passed, we crossed paths. Uh, actually, we crossed paths with Richie. Yep. Uh, after our set, and Richie was walking like the stage way. Yes. And he slapped Nelly's sister on the ass as you on do the way past, and we were kind of like, "Hang on a minute, is that supposed to happen?" Yeah. But he just like he, he no sold it. He just walked off like. Hmm. He no sold it. Yeah. Bring, bring in that yeah. wrestling term. Yeah. I love it. He didn't sell it, so we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I uh, like. Okay. Just another day at the yeah. job for him doing that. That's interesting. That. And then the next night, again, we crossed paths. as We were off stage. They were getting ready to go, go on. Go on stage. And John was like, oh, that was amazing. You guys are great. We're like, oh, that's cool. But he was doing it from the comfort of a golf buggy. And we're walking like oh. to the opposite end of the stadium, stadium. you know, to, to, to get, get away from our, them, our yeah. dressing closet. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and interestingly enough, Anth Nekic was working the catering that day. No shit! Yeah, yeah. And he, he was telling me the story. He was thinking, oh, these fucking bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Getting to play with these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I'm super jealous. Yeah, Love pretty cool. It. Oh, that's a great story, man. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. The other thing is, before we finish up, I wanted to touch on um, your... Uh, um, Inclusion in the band The Millionaires Club. Oh, yes. Um, which is, uh, if, for those of you who don't know, um, listeners, The Millionaires Club is a um, 
a wrestling theme band where they play exclusively entrance music to your favorite wrestlers. And um, you were gracious enough to send me the audio to um, your latest performance, which was at Wrestle Brunch yes. prior to Super Showdown um, and prior to Wrestle Rock. Yep. Um, in October of 2018, and um, I had a couple of questions for you. Now, were, were you playing? Were you singing backing vocals on that recording? Backing, shouting, backing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was my question. Yes, because for the Shawn Michaels, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's a sexy boy. Sexy boy, you can do it now. Why weren't you doing it at the gig? Well, we were rehearsing it. <laughs> we, were, we were rehearsing it, doing it like that. Yeah, yeah. And then we thought, nah, fuck it, we're mongrels. <laughs> <laughs> because no, man, think, the fans want to hear that sexy Yeah, I know. Boy. We thought about it. But the thing is, like, and also, I'm not a trained singer. Okay, I, okay. I, all the bands that have been in, like, I do backing vocals. Sure, yeah. But we just thought, nah, you know what? Let's just give it a bit of balls. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, we were nice. just, like, yelling it. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That, that, that. That makes sense now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Been, backing I'm sure yelling. If, I, if I was able to make it, I would have certainly been behind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great. Fantastic. And also, it makes it a bit more anthemic as well, because you, you think, like, you know, it'd be actually it'd be quite funny if people in the crowd are singing along and they're going, everyone's going, sexy boy. <laughs> yeah. Instead it's more a gang vocal. The, in the crowd could do it, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, that'd be about it. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Well, that's that's fan- that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. I, I love yeah. everything about that whole thing. The thing with uh, Julian and I is that we're both idiots. Yeah. So, we just come up with these ridiculous ideas for bands. Sure. And follow up on it. Yes. So, like Millionaires Club. I think we've got a few other ideas. I think the latest one is uh, being a wedding band that okay. turn up to the wrong gig. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, like how that how that oh, looks. Or so, sounds. like go like book yourself on a rock night, but yeah. then show up in a suit and start playing Summer of '69 or something. But really <laughs> drunken versions. Yeah, yeah, kind of like, like ridiculous. Kind of like the Dan Band. You ever heard of the Dan Band? No. They're, they're in um, a bunch of like Adam Sandler kind of Judd Apatow. Oh yeah. And the yeah, guy yeah. always swears. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's exactly it. But yeah, like play yeah. play you know be a support band for like. Electric Mary or something. Yeah, that you would know? be epic. That would be epic. And the other one was, um, I don't know if I should be kayfabing at all, but <laughs> <laughs> the other one was Kissvis. So it's um, Kiss songs in the style of Elvis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wear the makeup, but wear the suits. The okay, Elvis suits. That Elvis, okay. So, you know. And would you play Kiss tunes or Elvis tunes? Kiss tunes in the style of Elvis. In the style of, sorry, you said that. Okay, yeah, yeah right. So I'd be like, you know, you wanted the best, you got the best. It would work. It could work, man. Fantastic. Well, yeah, Nick, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on Pleasure. the Art of Touring and, and sharing all the stories. Um, if people do want to get in uh, contact with you and follow your um, uh, journey online, uh, where where do they go? Tinder. <laughs> There's a bit of self self promotion there for your love yeah, life. Yeah, just swipe right. Swipe um, right. Yeah, no, super like. Uh, so, no, you can reach us on. Oh. <laughs> I'm married, dude. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I'll show you. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, the well is not dry. But so, <laughs> so on Facebook, um, yeah, yeah. you know, you can reach Met, uh, Elm Street. Elm on, Street. Uh, Metal Elm Street. Mm-hmm. So we use that for uh, Instagram as well, yes. YouTube. YouTube. The whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Uh, Millionaires Club. God, I don't even know what the address is. Just type in Millionaires, but instead of using an S, use a dollar sign. 
Okay, that's probably why I couldn't that's, find it that's today. That's the gimmick. That's, <laughs> yeah, the, that's gimmick. the gimmick. Nice. So, Millionaire's Club, Club. Um, Los Amigos. I think it's Viva Los Amigos. Sweet. So, we're there. If you want to come to a gig, you know where to find That's him. That's right. Well, we're actually playing with Kiss Stroyer um, in Mornington. Perfect. At the Grand Hotel on the 22nd of Feb. So, oh, I don't okay. know Don't know when this is going to hit uh, podcast land. But yeah, I think that yeah. gig will have unfortunately already happened. So, it was an amazing gig. <laughs> <laughs> if you were there, good on you. Back to the rafters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Oh, dude. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us. And, thanks for having uh, me. We will see you. On the road. Oh, yeah. See you, brother. Cheers. And that's a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 49. All done and dusted, episode 50 next week. So stick around for that. Thanks for listening. If you'd like, if you'd like... You can listen again next week. And if you liked this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at artoftouringpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. Maybe you have a suggestion for a musician or a performer that you think would be a good fit for the show. Please just, you know, hit me up. Maybe even a wrestler. You think, you know what, Dave, you should try and interview El Snow or Mankind or The Rock. And, you know, and I know them. So, you know, here's their details, getting in touch with them. Can you imagine? Please do it. Send me a message. That would be rad. And I will interview all those cats. Uh, or you just slide into my DMs there on the Art of Touring podcast at the Instagram page. Or uh, if you don't want to email me or you don't want to contact me on the Instagram, you can just Facebook me. Yeah, on the old book face. Look for Art of Touring Podcast on Facebook and send me a message on there. You can listen to Art of Touring on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes if you've enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a short review. And stick around next week for another episode. I release them every week, most of the time on Tuesdays. So get in for a listen with old mate Sears Dog on the regs. Now let's get into some play- Plugs. Art of Touring has theme music every week. You hear it at the start of the show and it's a song called Start a Fire by The Passouts, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole debut album by The Passouts on all digital platforms or if you'd like to grab a physical copy, one you can hold in your hands, then you can on either CD or vinyl at the pow, the pow, 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 pow. <laughs> hey, take a shot. Uh, the passoutsband.bandcamp.com, where you can get all of our merchandise, including t shirts, stickers, posters, and even skateboards. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I have a few shout outs. Shout out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W A H L. Big thanks to my guest this week, Nick Ivkovich. Be sure to check out Nick's bands, uh, The Millionaires Club and Elm Street. They're both all over social media. Just remember when you, when you, to use the dollar sign when you're searching for The Millionaires Club on those socials. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Touring. With us is now. Go, go, go. Woo. 
Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Gators Tuition Assistance. It's not, he's not a pimp, okay? Let's just get that out of the way straight away. It's a legitimate tuition assistance service. That really big box is yeah. from the Ghostbusters Firehouse. I bought that on eBay a few, oh, yeah. few weeks ago. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, you got the Proton pack as well. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Where was I when I was fucking, no, where were you when I was 12? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's dude. awesome, man. So yeah, that's like my real Ghostbusters kind of yeah. shrine or whatever. And that's then I've got cool, my man. wrestling area there. Yep. And then this is just like random because pop I've got culture. my Yeah, pop culture. Yeah, because I've got my Star Wars stuff yeah. in another cabinet in the house, which I'll show you later. So. Awesome, man. There you go, man. That's, that's the That's pretty cool. That is a stewed. Because Unreal. you know, uh Mark Marin, he is one of the big heavy hitters in the podcast world. Yep. He does a lot of interviews and he always would talk. He always did his interviews in the garage and his garage yep. was filled of memorabilia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people would come over, they would talk about it. So it would always be like a talking point. Yeah, so that's, that's what pretty I'm cool. Trying to kind of capture with mine, like, yeah. you know, so, and you can see why I've chosen this seat so I can just look at all the crap, but you can enjoy <laughs> can the look collection. look at the good stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> strategic. That's it. Strategic. I like it. That's very cool. There you go. Yeah. So now, did you go to um, WCW when they came down? No, I was, um, I, I didn't. The only wrestling I've ever seen from the States is from, yeah, when WWE came to town. Uh, yeah. And obviously some independent promotions like House of Hardcore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Like since, like I'm talking, you know, last year. Yeah, yeah. I think we did. No, no. There was one that Mick was actually meant to come to. Mick Foley was meant to come to oh, International that. Assault, it was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because he was... Yep. Kind of working for WWE at the time and kind of not. And yeah. it was the first time he was ever coming to Australia. And then... Did he come down? Was was he doing his spoken word as well? He was actually still wrestling at this point. Oh, right. Kind of off and on. This was before his run of TNA. Yep. But after he had retired oh, from WWE. Oh, right. Yeah, and yeah, And so yeah. he was still taking bookings for other promotions. Yep. And then he took this booking... And it was advertised and everything. And then Vince called and said, hey, Mick, I need you for this fucking house hey, show. Or, yeah, <laughs> hey, pal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So he dogged yeah. Australia. This was like... Oh, uh, asshole. <laughs> I'll tell you how long ago this was. Yeah. This was when Test was still alive. Oh, wow. Okay. That's how long ago it was. God, the olden days. Yeah, man. So I saw Test because yeah. he was released from WWE at the mm. time. I saw the Dudley boys because yep. they had been released. Yep. Um, and so those guys were so nice because they knew everyone was coming for Mick. Oh, yeah. Because he was the top guy on the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so when we went in for the meet and greet, and we were told as we got there that he wasn't going to be there. Oh, so it was that last minute. That's how last minute it was. As yeah. last minute as Mark Whitaker withdrawing from Pretty the Pretty much, yeah. But Holy there was, the internet wasn't as rife as it is <laughs> yeah, now. Right. So we they probably could have told us, but yeah. it would have been Aussie mail and it would have taken days to get True. to us. <laughs> Snail mail. Snail mail. A damn 56K. But the Dudley boys and Tess, they were super, super cool with all the fans. They gave That's us cool. all their time in the world because they knew, they were like, look, I know you're here to see Mick, yeah. but look, we're here. We're you know willing to give you our time. And that was super cool. I sort so. of marked out for them anyway. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. For sure. We were marking out when marking out wasn't even a term. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so was it just Devon and Bubba or was Spike with them as well? No, it was just Devon and Bubba. Yeah. That's all you need anyway. That's that's the they're the original EC that's- ECW crew anyway. Well so. that's it, exactly. Yeah. I think Spike was part of the originals though. 
Oh, was he really? Yeah. I thought he only it came in for WWE. No, no, no. So there was um, Big Dick Dudley. Yeah. He was like the... He kind of had the diesel spot. Like, he was the, the muscle. The big guy. Ah. And then there was Sign Guy Dudley, and all he did was just hold signs up. <laughs> and then there was Dancers with Dudley. And what? he was like uh, some weirdo. <laughs> so, and like then Dancers with Wolves, Dancers yeah, with Dudley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh exactly. And, and then, then they had uh, Spike, who was the runt of the litter. So Man, the the spots that he did back in the Attitude Era when they would, oh, man. They would just put him through tables. They would and kill him. They would, I'm surprised the dude yeah. can still walk. Maybe he can't. I'm not sure. I haven't looked up. You know, Spike Dudley. He doesn't have a body that looks like it would be built for punishment. No. Mick Foley, perfect example. Yeah. Although, but now look at him, you know, he's broken in, he's broken in half. Yeah. But yeah, Spike, dude. Yeah, maybe we should, we should tweet him and go, mate, are you okay? <laughs> Spike. <laughs> What's going on, You're mate? You're all right, mate. <laughs> Fuck oh. off. <laughs> Shit. Fantastic. Yeah.